Welcome to Top 5, a show where we count things down from number 5 all the way to number 1. It's Matthew and I this week on the show. I'm Steven Schleicher. Over there is Matthew Peterson. I have been watching a lot of weird stuff on television lately, Matthew. I don't know if you have seen this TV show. on. It's on the Apple Plus, so maybe you don't. But it's called Severance, and it's truly bizarre. Uh, then over on the Netflix, they have a, a limited series called Brand New Cherry Flavor, which is based on a book, which is totally weird and bizarre. And then this third and final season of Atlanta, or is it the fourth and final season of Atlanta? I don't know. It's been seven years since that show was on the air. Even right. that has gone into some really weird territory thanks to donald glover uh so i thought this week for top five instead of looking at weird television shows we mm. would look at our top five weird movies <laughs> top five weird movies and i'll start things off with my number five i think you have to have blue velvet on your list of weird movies this is the david lynch mm. film from 1986 it's a neo-noir mystery thriller about uh, a college student played by kyle mclaughlin who comes home from college, uh, his dad, I guess, has had a heart attack or something, and he discovers a severed ear in the field next to his house. Yeah. And so through, the, I don't know if you've ever seen, I'm guessing you've seen Blue Velvet, Matthew. Oh, yeah, years and years ago. Yeah. Uh, Got Dennis Hopper in it. Yeah, in the process, he meets this, he, he takes down a, a criminal conspiracy led by Dennis Hopper, who's really a bad guy. And uh, Isabella Rossellini in, I think, her first major film uh, appearance outside of, like, fashion shows and cosmetic commercials. And mm -hmm. she plays this lounge singer. And it just goes into some weird territory. Uh, <laughs> it's not as probably as disturbing as Eraserhead, but a lot of what you see from David Lynch uh, yeah. in Eraserhead is still very apparent in Blue Velvet. Uh, it gets uh, surreal at times when you're like, what what's going on this why, why is this happening? It is, it is truly weird when you watch this film. I wouldn't say like this is, um, Mulholland, um, uh, Mulholland drive, uh, mm -hmm. kind of weird, but it does kind of get into that. Although, you know, Mulholland drive probably should have been on my list or somebody else's list. Yeah. Um, but if you're a fan of David Lynch, especially what he's doing with his, uh, daytime weather report on YouTube and you've not seen blue velvet, you really owe it to yourself to see Blue Velvet. It is truly a weird film and comes in at my number five. Yeah, it was almost on my list. But the problem when you say weird film to me is. Oh, no. Did that, you not understand the assignment again? Oh, hush. <laughs> no, everything that I enjoy is weird. So literally, I had a list of 10, 12, 15. And longtime listeners may appreciate the fact that for the first time, I can actually use Surf Nazis Must Die, but I didn't because my number five is something more personal to me. Um, when we were young, when we were young, uh, when I, I used was to watch a young warthog. <laughs> I used to watch a little something called Night Flight on the USA Network, and it was really kind of wonderful. It was my introduction to a lot of things, including Super Sentai, although I didn't realize it for many years afterwards, but. One of the regular things in rotation on Night Flight was a French animated film called Le Planète Sauvage, or in English, Fantastic Planet, which is weird because uh, Sauvage, I think, means wild and we don't translate well. But uh, if you've never seen Fantastic Planet, I highly recommend it because it is, I, I, it's kind of an environmental homily, but it's also really, really avant-garde. It's set on this planet where there are two types of people. 
there are giant blue people called the Trogs, and there are regular human being type people called the Ohms. And if you know French, hey, that's a good joke too. And the Trags keep the Ohms as pets. And throughout this really, really beautifully animated movie, you get to follow the story of an ohm, or rather uh, several ohms, and see what happens in this strange world. And uh, I believe the movie is from 73. I probably watched it for the first time in 1982 or 83, because that would have been about the time that I was sitting up all night watching television. But Mm -hmm. if you've never seen it, first of all, it's not just weird. It's like award-winning it like won a prize at the Cannes Film Festival where you get two cans. I know it's pronounced con, just stay with me. And uh, also, I think that the really great part about it is there's very little language in it, but I remember the language that we hear as being French. Now, does that mean I definitely saw a French version of the movie? Maybe not. But it does definitely mean that I remember it being in French, and I think that's worth half the price of admission. Mm. But yeah, my number five, Fantastic Planet, fabulous, beautiful movie. I I wish it was streaming. I went looking for it, and just, I mean, it's murder to try and find. Yeah, there you go. All right. Uh, coming in at my number four is uh, Donnie Darko, the 2001 film from uh, Richard Kelly. Mm-hmm. When I watched this, I think this was one of the early films that I got digitally. I won't say how I got it digitally, uh, but I remember, Crime. yeah, no, I don't think so. Um, but I remember when I watched this late at night, I was so blown away by some of the, not only the imagery in this, but mm. also some of the concepts about selflessness, predestination, predetermination, um, time travel and the way that how weird that this was presented that as soon as this ended at like two in the morning, cause I think I started at like midnight or something like that. Right. I immediately said, I am watching this again and proceeded to stay up until four or five in the morning, uh, watching this movie a second time because it was such a mind warping movie to really wrap your head around, you know, what's real, uh, you know, how do, how do we deal with, things we don't understand this idea that uh, the only person who can save the universe is Donnie Darko. And he doesn't really understand what's going on until he does. Mm -hmm. It is so good. If people haven't seen Donnie Darko, uh, if you hear the really slow song of mad world, uh, Mm -hmm. that is from, they use that in the Donnie Darko thing. Of course, uh, it's got uh, Jake Gyllenhaal playing Donnie Darko. It's Mm -hmm. got, um, it got a lot of its funding because of, uh, Drew Barrymore uh, helped to get the the movie financed, and she was she was in the film that kind of helped got it. And then, of course, well, it's I want to say it's one of the last or um, one of the final performances of Patrick Swayze before uh-huh. he passed away. And man, I just this thing is such a trip when it when it comes to this notion of what is real, what isn't, time travel, multiverse, etc. Uh-huh. Very weird film. Very very good. It is. It was another one that almost made my list. Uh, And again, this is one of the times where I'm like, I feel like I could leave this one off because somebody else would hit it for me. Yeah. No, this is one of my favorite weird films. Have you ever seen the sequel 
I, uh, with the sister, I have, yeah. I have it. I have never watched it because it's not as good. Um, it's I not, also, and... I also watched the director's cut. So Kelly came out with a director's cut of Donnie Darko. And Ooh. I know a lot of people get excited when you hear, Ooh, a director's cut, ah, release the Snyder cut. It's going to be such a better film. And you know, <sighs> for better or worse, I think that the Snyder cut was a better film of the, uh, justice league. Right. That Still being said, it was better. I mean, it was, it was better. That being said, the the Richard Kelly director's cut of Donnie Darko makes me angry because it Ooh. I feel like it changed the dynamic of the story that was being told. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may be just because he came out with that uh, really trippy multimedia project around the same time. Um, what was it called? It had The Rock in it. It had Sarah Michelle Gellar in it. Uh, I forget what else, uh, Southland tales is what it was. Mm. And it was a comic book. It was a movie and some DVD experience or something like that. So I think he was high on his own supply and, mm. uh, just thought a little bit too much of himself and got the studio to release the director's cut. Whatever you do, don't watch the director's cut of Donnie Darko. Watch the original <laughs> theatrical release. It's so weird. So trippy. I think that you will enjoy it if you've mm-hmm. never seen it. And that is why it is on my uh, top five weird list in the number four position. Yep. What do you have for number four, Matthew? My number four is another movie that I'm kind of ashamed that I didn't watch because, uh, I, you know, occasionally. Wait, you Steven, didn't watch it, but it's on your list. I didn't watch it when it came out. So oh, oh, weird. oh, okay. Okay. I didn't watch it when it was in the film theatries. Oh, uh, okay. Um, Stephen will occasionally, uh, dear listeners, Stephen will occasionally mock me for being a giant hipster. And while it's, I, I mean, it's not, I, we'll, we'll not talk, true. We'll, we'll yes. Uh, ex- it's, uh, it's I'm not, just gonna not say, true. I'm just going to say this worse. here. No, no, yes. Matthew used to be, we're going to diverge here. Used to be worse. Matthew used to be worse. He used to be a huge hipster. So annoying. <laughs> but, I had the greatest hat. But. It's the best hat ever. You know, what's that, what's that cocoon uh, age line, the Wilford Brimley line that you cross, uh, whatever, whatever it's called uh, with, with your age range where you've officially older than Wilford Brimley was in the, in cocoon. You have officially passed whatever line that is where you've moved from hipster <laughs> to old curmudgeon. Ah, so we're, we're going to fight this episode. No, that's I'm just saying do. you have graduated from <laughs> no longer being that's a what we're gonna do. to being okay. a curmudgeon. So, yes. Okay. So the Wilford Brimley line, by the way, uh, I believe was when he was 50 years, nine months and six days old. Yeah. But is it called the Wilford, Wilford we, Brimley line or what is it called? The Wilford Brimley line. Yeah. The cocoon line is what it's also called. Okay. So since we were born in 1970, we have officially passed. Oh yeah. 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 I passed the Wilford that Brimley line. Yeah. 18,530 oh, it's, it's, it's called days. the Brimley cocoon line. That's what it's called. Yeah. That's the official. Well, here's, here's the thing. In 1997, I was not at the peak of my hipsterism, but I was very, highly hipsterized um, in a way that I feel like I was ahead of my time, which is also part of being a hipster. But I did not watch a lot of movies in 97. And one of the movies that isn't on this list, but I didn't watch that I regret was Titanic, which came out that mm. year. And it, beautiful movie. I watch it all Titanic the time. It's a weird movie. Hmm. Another movie that I watch and my number three movie, oh, or is yeah. it number four? We are on our number four. Okay. My number four weird movie came out that same year or actually a little bit later, my bad, stay with me, came out a little bit later and I found it the same way. I found it in bits and pieces on cable when it just kept popping up. And that movie is Cameron Crowe's Vanilla Sky. 
Oh yeah. I loathed Tom Cruise throughout the nineties and I didn't want to watch anything with him in it. Even though, you know, Top Gun is a pretty solid film. I was mad at Tom Cruise for a lot of completely meaningless and, you know, absolutely stupid reasons. But when I finally started bumping into Vanilla Sky, I just kept running into these moments that didn't make sense. Because I, a lot of times before I see a movie, I'll catch 15 or 20 minutes on cable before I go to bed. And so I kept getting pieces of Vanilla Sky. And if you've ever watched Vanilla Sky, it's told in an anachronic order. And there's also a twist in the film that makes that anachronic order even weirder. So I would get these weird, like dream-like montage moments. And I'm finally like, okay, I feel like Penelope Cruz and Kurt Russell are enough to, you know, insulate me against the Tom Cruise infection. So I sat down to watch Vanilla Sky, top to bottom. Gorgeous movie. Not as great as the movie I watched afterward, which is the Spanish movie, uh, Open Your Eyes, from which it was taken, which is a, oh, oh, such a wonderful movie, but also nearly impossible to find. Mm -hmm. But Vanilla Sky, once I finally sat down and watched it, is really great. It's really weird. And you don't find out until the end what's going on. But there's a moment where something happens and a character says, you're uh, the reviewing people or the um, your your reviewers are watching and he spikes the camera and he gestures to the audience and it always always gives me goosebumps this particular actor is british and he has one of those british faces and when he looks directly in the eyes and tells us that we are tom cruise's reviewers i'm like oh that's so good yeah that is such a great moment and then of course the movie ends with a moment that is just breathtaking it, it, technically and narratively. And then, you know, you, you finally figure out what's going on and it mm -hmm. takes a moment. It takes a moment to recover from that movie. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's, it's definitely, so I surreal. remember seeing it. I remember seeing it in the movie theater mainly because I was like, who is this Penelope Cruz? I think is one of her right? earliest films. And I was like, I'm going to go see so, this movie. And so beautiful. And so I'm sitting there and you just have, again, this revelation of what is reality, what is memory? What, you know, are we really all just living on a server somewhere and people have access to this? Uh, what is mm -hmm. life after death? All of these kinds of things. It's a, it's a very good, weird movie It's a very good, weird movie. Um, so that's vanilla sky. Matthew's number four, my number three, mm -hmm. you know, I, as we were talking about that, um, eh, I'll wait, I'll, I'll save this for just a moment. Uh, when I was a, <laughs> when I was a, a, a young lad, we had a VCR. When you were a, oh, sorry. Uh, we had a VCR, uh, this would have been, you know, the, the mid eighties and, uh, every, well, no, actually we got it in the early eighties. So we had like a 1982, 1980 version of a JVC oh. player. If you ever watch, what's that eighties TV show? I think it's on ABC, the, the, the Goldbergs, the, the Goldbergs, the JVC VCR that they have in season one is, <laughs> yeah, it's almost, it is almost the exact same model as the one we had. One of the button combinations is a different color. So I think ours mm. is a little newer, uh, uh, older than theirs. You're uh, still using it though. So, you know, it's fine. Oh no. I mean, we use that. I mean, I had that even when I was in college, I had to borrow it from my parents. I, I was using that, uh, on a black and white TV until I got my, uh, all in one VCR TV combo. But my dad would often stop at the, um, video rental place. You see kids back in the day, you just couldn't go on the internet and just download any movie that you wanted. You didn't have access to 
uh, streaming media to watch anything that you wanted at any time of day, uh, you actually would go to a store where they would rent a movie to you on VHS and you had like 24 hours or 48 hours. Although I think by 1984, 85, um, this was like, you could rent it for like three days, get it on a Thursday. Don't bring it back until a Monday kind of thing. And my dad was just in the habit of just bringing in whatever looked weird to him or whatever looked interesting to him. And he came home and I remember it was, it was, had to have been in the fall because I remember it was still warm out. And, uh, he brought this movie that had, uh, Peter Weller in it. And it was called Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. And I was mm-hmm. like, I have no idea what this is. And you watch it and it's about this, uh, this physicist, uh, who's also a neurosurgeon, who's also a, in a rock band with all of these other guys. And he's like this comic book character. Everybody knows him. He's this huge celebrity. He crashes a jet car into the mountain and he goes through the mountain and he encounters the eighth dimension, at which point uh, Christopher Lloyd and uh, John Lithgow are revealed to be aliens. And then the movie gets really weird. Uh, Mm -hmm. This, I think it's supposed to be a a science fiction comedy. I don't know. I think it tried the the reason why this works so well. The reason why Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai works so well is it is straight up takes itself completely seriously it is playing it i think it's supposed to be a comedy but everybody in the movie is playing it straight uh you know john lithgow is over the top villain uh christopher lloyd is over the top villain peter weller is just being peter weller jeff goldblum is jeff gold i mean this has like everybody in it um and the fact that they play it so straight like you're reading a comic book or like you're reading a pulp uh, action uh, character like Doc Savage really mm-hmm. uh, cranked up the the interest factor to me by like eleven because at that time I was reading Doc Savage books left and right. You couldn't you couldn't uh, keep me away from Doc Savage. Uh, but this movie was so weird and had just so many little nuggets of one liners like why is that watermelon there or you know whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, all the all the aliens' names are called John. It just is a weird movie that makes you sit there and go, huh, people can do really clever sci-fi comedy superhero stuff and have it be funny and just play it completely straight to where you're wondering, was this supposed to be a comedy? It, it just turned out funny <laughs> or what? But man, even to this day, The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai is one of my favorite films. Uh, I know that they have attempted multiple times to do a sequel to this. I know they tried to do a TV series to this. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I know that they have continued that. Uh, uh, what's his name? D.W. Richter uh, and uh, Earl Mark Roush have continued to try to do the comic books. Usually not to great success, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. what they captured in the bottle uh, in 1984 with the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across, across the eighth dimension is just just very cool and it is a weird film you know uh, right next to this one i probably would have put repo man which again Mm -hmm. is a comedy but it it plays it straight but if you like repo man and you've never seen buckaroo bonsai these are kind of a little bit in that same kind of mindset one is obviously talking about dropping out of society and and trying to find your way in life the other one is let's blow up aliens and save the world uh but (laughs) the but the mindset of of that weird factor between those two movies, I find very similar to one another. So my number three, the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. Yeah. 
Got a great theme yeah. song. Got a great theme song. Such a great movie. And you know, the best part of the movie is uh, there's a huge, massive, uh, like, uh, continuity glitch. Don't even care. And I'm the kind of guy who's like, oh, continuity glitches. What? Oh, you've ruined the whole film for me. Don't even care. Such a, such a beautiful movie. Yeah, it's it's really good. And the casting is just perfect. Yes. Everybody in that film. You're Pecos, right? Yeah. No, uh, Jeff, uh... Jeff Goldblum. Oh, Jeff Goldblum is so good in that. Yeah. Oh no. It's, it's top to bottom. I, I may have to watch that. I may have to sit the kids down. And make gonna have watch to, this. I'm going to force it. them to watch this movie. Cause I know they're going to be 10 minutes in and going, I'm out. Yeah. Anyway. Widget watched it with me and I think they got all the way through. Yeah. Um, what, do you, what do you have for your number three? They did not get through my number three. My number three is a legendary woohoo that came out, uh, like a year after my number five came out in 1974. And is probably best known, uh, if you're a comics fan, for inspiring the world's goofiest Superman villain. But if you've never sat down and watched Zardoz from 1974, you've missed out on something. The penis um, is evil. The gun is good. It features uh, Sean Connery not just in a wedding dress, but in like a diaper and later hosen, which is interesting. And throughout this film, you have, you know, it's it's another one of those things that is definitely some sort of parable, some sort of future. This could happen here because half the world lives in a dystopian, irradiated wasteland. And, you know, the other people live in in comfort and everything. And of course, as you go through the film, you realize that the weird title is actually a literary reference. And so this is actually a movie that is about artificial intelligence kind of taking over and misunderstanding things and building this whole. And it's just, it's a wonderful kind of an analogy for humans losing track of the thread. And mm -hmm. also it is just surreal. And if you watch the movie, I swear you'll find something new and something weirder in every single reading, every single viewing. And as you, as you get to the end of the movie, the ending doesn't make a lick of sense, but it's so perfect tonally. And it's so, I, you ever know? Okay. So when a movie ends, like say Buckaroo Banzai ends with that coming soon, Buckaroo Banzai yeah. too. Yeah. But some movies end with a thing that's, it's not like a sequel hook. It's more like a, everything you knew is wrong and you never really understood this movie at all kind of thing. And I get to the end of, of Zardoz and it's just like, painted handprints and a gun and I'm, I'm just like what what did i, I honestly learn? think that it's supposed to be the antithesis to barbarella you know i can definitely see it as like the animus to barbarella's mm -hmm. anima mm -hmm. yeah that's a good call i wonder if we should just watch them both together no that should I, I, I can only get through about 10 minutes of barbarella <laughs> oh come on wouldn't that be a great that would be a i mean it's only the most important 10 minutes of barbarella so there you go well sure but <laughs> Yeah, so that's my number, let's say three. Three, that three? three. That's three. number three. Okay. All right, we are now into our number two slots. Number two. Number this two. one is from 2018. This is Boots, Boots Riley's directorial debut called, uh, it's titled Sorry to Bother You, and it's about a young black telemarketer who just cannot figure out how to close a sale. And one day, this other black telemarketer tells him, you need to use your white voice. 
And he's like, okay. And I'm pretty sure that I think it's uh, Lakeith uh, Stanfield is, is the lead in this. Um, uh, I'm pretty sure that they find somebody else to dub over his, his white guy voice. I'm pretty sure he's not doing a white guy voice, but all Mm -hmm. of a sudden, because he is willing to concede and kind of give up a little bit of himself to capitalism, um, he starts making sales and he is so good with his white accent that he starts moving up the ladder of this corporation (laughs) until he figures out what it means to be a cog in the capitalistic wheel. And I can't say anything more than that, except horse people. (laughs) Sorry to bother you right up until the third act. You're just like, Oh, okay. This is a little weird. This is a little different. It's like kind of funny that this guy keeps using his white accent and everybody just thinks he's so awesome. But the minute he switches back, people really don't want anything to do with him. And he's kind of, I guess that's the where I want to go. And then third act hits and it's like horse people all the way down. And you're just like, what, what is this? Uh, so just be prepared for it. It is very startling. It is very unnerving. Uh, but if you have not seen, sorry to bother you definitely go check it out because that movie is weird. Yes. His, his white voice is actually David cross from Mr. Show. Ah, that's who I, I knew it was somebody else. I just didn't know who it was, but yeah, yeah, there you go. it's, there's a lot of that. I think uh, one of the other characters has uh, Patton Oswald oh, yeah. as, the, as their alternate voice. That's, that's uh, funny. That's, that's funny. a good one. Yeah. What do you think I for your too, number two? I too came into the 21st century with my number two pick. Uh, my number two pick has recently uh, risen to the top of my, hey, it's on, we're going to watch it pile in a way that movies don't often do. Um, but it is a really, really hard film in a lot of ways because well it, the, the first line in the film is uh Caitlin, Caitlin Ogden was a lot of things but she wasn't particularly explosive mm-hmm. this is right after a teenager blows up uh, it's 2020's spontaneous featuring uh the people that I know as that girl from the one movie and the kid from the other thing but in spontaneous basically a, a teenager just blows up And then people start trying to come to terms with this. And you think, oh, well, this is kind of weird. You know, this is something where where it's it's kind of a black humor thing. But then it it becomes clear that it wasn't a one-time thing. And so it becomes this kind of an analogy for things like school shootings, for like any unexplainable or uncontrollable source kind of falls into it. And in the midst of this, there's a love story, and it's the most adorable love story I've seen in years. And uh, the first time the child and I watched it together, we got to the end, and we both hated the end. And then the second time we watched it, we got to the end, and they were okay with it, and I was sort of, I accepted it. The third time, I stopped the movie about 70 minutes into the 101-minute running time and said, see, they got a happy ending. And I think that that's probably the best way to watch it. But <laughs> if you are going to go watch Spontaneous, you have to watch it top to bottom. It is a charming cast of teenagers who feel like real teenagers. Like I have one in the house. And while they say that's not really what being a teenager is like, they say that it's also not far off. And I, you know, the main character who is uh, Catherine Langford, who's apparently actually Australian, which freaks me out. Is just incredible. Such a good actress. It's a really good movie. I don't want to spoiler the end for you, but it does involve a milk truck. 
and at one point we talk about uh, a certain high-ranking government official spinning in his grave, which I think is, you know, kind of a nice moment. So my number two, spontaneous. I do recommend it to all. Uh, I, uh, earlier I said I was going to wait and hold something until later. Yeah. A lot of people are going to wonder why Brazil is not on my list. Yeah. And um, Brazil is a very, very weird film. And, you know, I've got every single version of that film. I own it. I made Zach watch all the different versions uh, way back in the day on Zach on film. The reason why Brazil isn't on my list is because Brazil is about uh, bureaucracy and the, you know, just how insane bur- bureaucracy has become in mm-hmm. the 1980s. Um, I think we've come to embrace bureaucracy so much that all the weirdness that is in Brazil just seems somewhat normalized. And so that's in why the year 2020 Brazil isn't a weird film anymore. Yeah, Brazil exactly. is like a, a weird yeah, it's a documentary documentary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that's Ugh. why that's why I put sorry to bother you in in Brazil's place, because it's about capitalism, which everybody is is very concerned about uh, these days. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's why Brazil isn't on my list, because uh, sorry to bother you was my number two instead. You know why Brazil isn't on my list? Why is that? <laughs> I thought it would be on yours. Oh, yeah, I really considered it. I really considered it. But I was like, you know, that is doesn't seem as weird compared to sorry. To bo- yeah, yeah. In retrospect to what sorry to bother you brings to the table when it just is like. And and it's funny, too, because, you know, we look at Blue Velvet, Donnie Darko, Buckaroo Banzai across the Eighth Dimension. Uh, Blue Velvet came out in uh, 86, 86. So wow, if I were to, if I, I were putting these in like a chronological order, it would have been Buckaroo Banzai first, then Blue Velvet, uh, then um, Donnie Darko, mm-hmm. then Sorry to Bother You, and then my number one. So it's not too far off. And and one of these things that I that I've been thinking about is that what we consider weird today is super tame, you know, from 20 years ago, you know, we watch, um, the amazing world of gumball when my kids were younger and we watch, um, what's that other one with the, uh, purple cat in the weird candy land, uh, thing, uh, purple cat in the weird, and he candy wears, land he wears, thing. yeah, he wears this, uh, stocking cap on his head and he works in a candy shop and it sounds like the, one of the ladies is the, what's her name from uh, the Princess Chowder. Bride? Yeah, Chowder. That's the one I'm thinking of. Okay. We look at things like that and we're just like, oh, those are really weird at the time. But then today, when you look at some of the weirdness that's on there, Rick and Morty, for example, or mm-hmm. a new cherry flavor or Severance or Atlanta, and you're just like, well, that stuff is just tame. So it's it's really weird that if you were to watch my list in a chronological order, you would see that every generation when they tax, tackle surrealism or weirdness, they actually mm-hmm. crank it up to another level. And so, and so I think that if you were to look at, for me, if I were to look at Zardoz or, or if yeah. I were to look at head, which sorry, if I ruined your number one, uh, <sighs> if I were to go and look at, you know, something that Alfred Hitchcock would have done that people would have said, Oh, that's really surrealist. And, you know, I watched, uh, what's the, uh, one with the lady getting her eyeball cut off and the dead horse. Um, Oh, movie. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That one is more, I mean, compare that to house of a thousand corpses. And it's like, there's no comparison between those two because everyone's built upon what has come before. And so I think, yeah, when you look at, when you look at the list, that's kind of my way of thinking of how weirdness has evolved. Does that make sense? Yeah, I can definitely see it. It's kind of a thesis that's still working in my mind, but it's something I've been thinking about since, uh, probably a week or so ago. And the thing about weird is that weird does have a lot to do with kind of the the baseline of normalcy. And as mm-hmm. 
as each generation goes on, that baseline may change. And what used to be wacky and crazy is now just right. And I think that has to do with um, where we draw the line of what is considered, quote unquote, normal. Right. Um, And you can look at societal norms going back to the 1950s. Somebody playing uh, rock and roll and swinging their hips uh, suggestively. That is very abnormal. That is not right. Uh, and then you look at where we're at today with, you know, I went on to a, a, a site for me to do a, some animation, some character animation stuff, and they've actually got a motion capture of someone twerking. And it's just like, oh, OK, I wasn't expecting that in my in my 3D software, but OK, let's let's uh, let's let's use that. Um, or just the fact that uh, we or I should say most of us uh, embrace the LGBTQA plus community, a I plus community um, mm-hmm. compared to 50 years ago would have just been insane to do that. So yeah, I think weird, weird movies have also, as you said, shifting that line uh, going forward. So that then brings us to our number ones. But before we do that, I should mention that we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash major spoilers. This show is entirely funded through our patrons and the efforts and the contributions that they make month after month. We would love for you. If you're enjoying this show, if you're enjoying these conversations uh, and you want to hear more of it, then definitely become a patron patreon.com slash major spoilers. There's bonus content over there, bonus shows, uh, other materials that you have access to. And we would love for you to have support. If you found value in this uh, episode, then, you know, give a little back and uh, do it at patreon.com slash major spoilers. We're now to our number ones, which is interesting because when I watched my number one, it kind of reminded me of my number five. It's a movie that came out in 2018. I think it was finally released in 2018. It only came out on, uh, let's see. I'm trying to, the film originally scheduled to release in the United States in 2018, but it was pushed back to uh, late December, 2018, pushed again until April of 2019 before it was finally came out. So um, the film started shooting in 2016. So this is an older film but it only has become available on digital in the last year. Um, it's an A24 film, and so that should trigger something in your heads that if you see A24, number one, you must go watch that film because they're going to give you something very different than what you expect. And number two, oftentimes these films are going to be weird, such as the case with Under the Silver Lake from uh, David Robert Mitchell. Uh, it is It stars Andrew Garfield, who's a young man who's just kind of lost in his life. Uh, doesn't mm-hmm. know what he what he wants to do with his life, and he suddenly is finds himself uh, involved in a conspiracy theory involving people trying to say uh, trying to survive like a nuclear disaster or end times or something like that. Mm-hmm. It goes. I mean, if you think Blue Velvet is weird, Under the Silver Light cranks it up. It, it really is. It really is different. Uh, very different than what I expected. There was a time when I was watching this where I wanted to just throw the remote at the TV and say, no, make it stop. Um, <laughs> it is, it's got hidden messages within hidden messages. There may be even a conspiracy theory hidden if inside the film. Uh, <laughs> it, it's just, I don't know how to describe it, but I've been wanting to talk about this film for a long, long time. I was, because it came out, I watched it in 2021. It was going to make my best of list, but I was like, oh, this uh, just came out this last year during COVID. Ah, that's really interesting. Then I looked at it. I was like, no, this movie's like three years old and no one has really apparently seen it. And it is 
it is amazing. If you like David Lynch, this mm. is in the vein of David Lynch. This is in the vein of Alfred Hitchcock. Um, you know, smash those two together and you have under the silver lake. I watched it once and you I couldn't say Fred Lynchcock. Yes. Uh, I watched it once and I couldn't stop thinking about it for like three weeks. And every time I see Andrew Garfield, uh, I'm like, Oh man, I got to watch that movie again. And I really want to watch this movie again. So you can imagine I watch under the silver lake three weeks later, I'm watching uh tick, tick boom. And I'm like, Oh man, I got to watch under the silver lake. And then I watch the new Spider-Man film, the third Spider-Man film. And I'm like, Oh man. Oh, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen uh, Spider-Man. Uh, I, I need to go back and watch under the silver lake again. It is really good. And it's got a weird cult following, uh, that does it. I have yet to go down the rabbit hole of the internet to see what people are talking about this movie, but wow, it again, this is one of those films like Donnie Darko that after I was done watching it, I wanted to sit down and watch it again immediately. The big difference between when I watched Donnie Darko the first time and watching Under the Silver Lake the first time is about 20 years, uh, uh, 20 years older. And so I go to bed a lot earlier than I did back in 20, 2001. So that's my number one, Matthew. If you haven't seen Under the Silver Lake, I think you I and your not. kid would love it. It is, it is just strange from top to bottom. Cool. Yeah. yeah I'm going to have to put that on my list. Yeah. There's another one that uh, I definitely need to see. That's been, oh, um, I think you just mentioned it. The Which uh, Tick Tick Boom. Oh yeah, that one's really good. That now I that's not a weird film. That's a great musical. Right. Um, and if you know the history of the uh, of the person that Andrew Garfield portrays, uh, it makes mm -hmm. it even more sad. And that was my wife. I just kind of turned it on to see what her reaction was as I sat there and watched it. And by the time you mm -hmm. get to the end and you find out, you know, that he dies. Surprise! Spoiler alert. She's like, oh, that's really, really sad. And I'm like, yeah, all this happened before he really found success. And she's like, that's even more sad. So yeah, Tick, Tick, Boom, another excellent film. I don't know if you can call it a spoiler if it's something that happened in like 1994. I, I know, it happened in real life. I mean, yeah. That's true. So my number one, um, I, I, I actually, I, I wavered back and forth because sometimes, as Stephen alluded to a few minutes ago, I don't understand the assignment, or rather the assignment is given to me in an ob obscure way. But here's the deal. Top five weird my, movies. <laughs> my number one is the weirdest movie of my lifetime. And even though I mention it often, and I think it's appeared probably, Carl hit us with a number times uh, in top five history. I couldn't go anywhere with my number one, but Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory mm, from mm -hmm. 1971, because that film goes completely surreal about halfway through. And it doesn't happen until after the first kid, quote unquote, dies. Well, I mean, I would say that it happens. The, no, die, I would say but... it happens the moment that uh, Willy Wonka, played by Gene Wilder, makes an appearance. I think that's when it goes yeah. into the surreal territory because everything before that is a little bit sad, mopey family tale, a little bit hopefulness, yeah. a little bit of musical stuff, a little bit conspiracy theory with uh, the, the the one guy who shows up and is like, "I will uh, give you lots of money if you bring me Wonka's secret formula." And then the yeah. minute Wonka shows up, it goes into really weird territory. It does, and the minute that Wonka shows up is when the film changes because Gene Wilder insisted when he did his entrance that he was going to surprise the children with a somersault, and you can see the response. You can hear the crowd cheer 
And it's just this perfect, perfect moment of entrance. And then from there, it gets weirder and weirder and weirder. If you've never seen the boat ride, I want you to sit down, watch the boat ride, catch your breath, and then remember that every Easter, kids in the 70s, we had three channels. This was one of them. Every Easter, we would. you had a choice of yeah. this or like the Ten Commandments. I was going to say is either that or uh, Max von Sydow as Jesus uh, in, exactly. uh, in whatever that movie that was. <laughs> but you are the Messiah. No, this movie is trippy. It's wonderful. It has, um, I think, usually between four and a dozen little people dancing and singing, none of whom spoke English but all of whom learned how to phonetically lip sync the songs for the Oompa Loompa characters, which I thought yeah. was kind of lovely. Yeah. And then of course it has that, it has that ending that, you know, everybody loves. And you do have, uh, I can think of at least two big time memes from this, the good day, sir. And the uh, sarcastic Wonka. Really? You have a podcast. Oh, you I was, have to tell me all about it. Oh, I was going to say you stole fizzy lifting drinks. Yep. Now you bumped into the ceiling. It has to be washed and sterilized. You get nothing. That is yeah, one of my a- youngest son's favorite favorite movies is Willy Wonka. That and Shazam. He loves both of those. So. Good. And Shazam is also a good movie. Not really yeah. that weird. No, but he, he just is when it comes to movies that he really likes and watches a lot. It's it'll be those two. So, yeah. And I will say this, and this is my final argument for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. There is an actor in this film. Absolute truth, whose name is Pepe Poupe. So if you if you if you hate joy, this if you have TV. no whimsy in your heart, if you're a terrible human being, you can mock Willy Wonka is and the Chocolate Violet? Factory. No, Pepe Poupe is one of the uh Oompa Loompas. Oh, okay. Pepe Poupe, comma, Oompa Loompa. Um no, the the girl who played Violet was like, I don't know, Denise. Yeah. <laughs> it's a thing. All right, yes. ladies and gentlemen. Good movie. It may take place in Britain. No one's entirely sure. It may take place there in Germany. are our top five weird movies. We want to know what you have on your list of weird movies. Are our movies not weird enough for you? Uh, are they too weird for you? We want to know what your top five weird movies are. Here's what you need to do. I need you to do this like right now after you're done listening to this. Some of you I know do it in the middle of the show. I wish you'd wait until the end, but you know. Just do it. Uh, Head over to our Discord server. It's completely free to join. There's a link in the show notes. Just click on that. Open your Discord server. You'll be welcomed with cat gifts from everybody. You can go into the uh, top five channel on the Major Spoilers Discord server, and you can share your top five list. You can go back and look at other people's top five lists. Other people will want to read your list. Why? Because everybody loves a list. We'll see you next time. This podcast is copyright 2022 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.